If we can gather into our seats, um, I am excited to get into the Word of the Lord today. I'm excited that you are here. Um, to, you know, this is a special place. I've been telling some folks, I think I was gone this last week. You've seen me miss a couple Wednesdays here. I've actually traveled for work four times, and I added that up with some quiz trips, which are the very minority of the time spent gone, and I'm like, you know, give it a another couple quiz trips here, and I'll be gone about a month in the first four months of the year. <laughs> so, um, but God is good, and I'm always excited to get back home and to be with the family of God and to get together and worship with everyone. There's nothing like when you walk back into the house of God, um, back into his, um, to the place where we meet together to, to worship him. I want to turn right away to Luke chapter 24, Luke chapter 24, and then I'm going to flip over to John chapter 14. Luke chapter 24 and John chapter 14. In Luke chapter 24, verse 32, it says, And they said one to another, Did our hearts, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked with us by the way and while he opened to us the scriptures? Um, and then in John chapter 14, verse 22, Judas saith unto him, Not Iscariot, Lord, how is it that thou wilt manifest thyself unto us, and not unto the world? Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and he will come unto him, and make our abode with him. Lord Jesus, speak to us today. God, let your, the living word preach the written word. Jesus, change our hearts and lives. And God, may we see you today. In Jesus' name, amen. In Jesus' name, you may be seated. Today I want to talk to you about how will we see you? How will we see you? And I take that from Judas here when he was talking to Jesus and he said, how is it that thou will manifest thyself unto us and not unto the world? Um, this time of year, today is Palm Sunday, and that's when Jesus rode into Jerusalem and they begin to wave the palm leaves and they begin to take their coats off and they cast them down on the road and they said, Hosanna, Hosanna, and they wanted to declare him to be king and they wanted to make him king. But just a few days later, they would be shouting, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. And this next Sunday will be Resurrection Sunday and um, we'll be celebrating the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ and um, and, uh, and Donnie, I don't know, I can kind of hear that ringing too, I think that you were mentioning early, Bishop, but uh, um, we're going to be celebrating the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, and I was talking to one of my children today, and we were talking about uh, wearing colors you wear to church, <laughs> and I said, oh, you wear black when there's like somebody's died, so we won't wear black on Easter Sunday. <laughs> But the truth is, as we celebrate, not that j just that Jesus died and he became the sacrifice for us, but that he rose again. And because he lives, we can live. And, it's, and in our lives, we have to go through a dying process. We have to go through dying out to self. And then there's a resurrection in our life. And, and I, I think it's important that we do recognize, though, one, that he rose again. But two, you need to realize that Jesus first had to die. God had to put on humanity and He had to come and He had to hang that humanity on the cross. Otherwise, you and I would have never had hope. We'd have been hopeless. 
And that wasn't in my notes right there, but I feel that very strongly. That in my joy and excitement that Jesus rose again and that we have hope, He also had to die. And we must die out to self. And we must die out to the, uh, the cares and the weights of this world. We've got to make some decisions in life. We, we've got to decide, hey, am I in this for the long run? Is it just a Sunday thing for me or a Wednesday thing? Where's my prayer life at? Where's my commitment to God? Palm Sunday. Oh, I am so thankful for Jesus. I'm so thankful that God came and put on humanity. I'm, I'm thankful that, that he, he looked down and back there in the garden, He said, hey, I've got a promise for you. The heel is going to get bruised of your offspring, Eve. But the, your offspring is going to bruise the serpent's head. Oh, I'm thankful that before there was the world were ever made, that God decided, hey, I'm going to make a way of escape, a plan of salvation. And so we find ourselves here, it's in Passover week, and like I talked to you a couple weeks ago, but Jesus is here and He's with the disciples, and it strikes me um, that Jesus is with them in these chapters. There's five chapters that all occur in the book of John during this week of Jesus talking and washing feet and, 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 and passing on and praying with the disciples. And so we came to you last time from John chapter 15, but I wanted to go back here to John chapter 14. Because Jesus is talking, and this is that, I call it the famous passage, but it's, in my Father's house are many mansions, or many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And, and I love this passage because it's going into how, um, how Jesus is taking the wedding speech and He's saying, hey, I'm the bridegroom and I'm coming back for you. And, and wait for me and, and be looking for me. And so He gives the bridegroom speech. And as He's given that discussion, this fits all right in with that whole passage. And, um, and Judas says right in the middle of it as Jesus is talking, Jesus said to him, or Jesus said, He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he that is that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved to my Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. And Judas answered and said, If a man love me, or no, Judas said, Lord, how is it that thou wilt manifest thyself unto us? I was thinking about that word because every place in the Bible where I see that word manifest, especially in the New Testament, I begin to see that it is Jesus appearing. If you look in Mark chapter 16, verse 12, it says, After that, He appeared in another form unto two of them as they walked and went into the country. That word appeared in the original Greek is the word manifest. To show oneself. John chapter 21, verse 14, this is after Jesus had rose again, it says, this is now the third time that Jesus showed himself to his disciples after that he was risen from the dead. Make no mistake about it, Jesus really showed himself to his disciples. Mark chapter 16, he really appeared unto his disciples. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 says, and without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. That word manifest right there, it means God appeared in the flesh. Justified in the spirit. 
seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. Oh, I love that First, John, First Timothy chapter three, verse sixteen. God was manifest in the flesh. I get excited about it because it tells me, hey, the King of Glory that said, "Let there be light," put on humanity and walked among us. Oh, justified in the Spirit. Oh, he he. he he rose again and he came back and he now fills us with his spirit. Oh, hallelujah. It says seen of angels and we know that God is a spirit and no man has seen God at any time. But that God made a way for us to be able to see him. And I want to urge you when you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, when you see the actions of Jesus, I want you to understand what you're seeing is that the invisible God in putting on humanity when he walked over and he put his hand on some, the, the dead child and that child came back to life when, when he went out there and it was the, the, um, the funeral procession and he saw that widowed woman and he said, hey, I'm going to do something about this. When he gathered the little children in around him, what was Jesus doing? He was showing you God's love, his caring when Jesus said, will you leave me also? You were seeing the hurts and the pains of God. When you seen Jesus said, hey, we need to get them some food. We need to feed them. You were seeing that God wants to take care of your needs. Oh, God hurts like you hurt. God cares like you care. God gets frustrated like you get frustrated. And we see all that in God's humanity. And he made a way for us to be able to see him in physical action. That's powerful. That's powerful that the invisible God would do that, make a way for us to see him visibly. God was manifest in the flesh. And so that brings me back to Judas here. You see those guys that were on the road to Emmaus, it says, did our hearts burn within us? <laughs> Why is that? Because they were walking down the road and somebody came along that they could visibly see, and yet they didn't quite get who it was. And it, they, who, who, who's this with us? Their, their eyes were like a little blinded, and they were a little closed over. They, didn't quite, they couldn't quite see him for who he was, but yet as Jesus talked and as he shared with them and, and he began to share the word, they were like, oh, something's happening here. Oh, something, I, I feel something here. And, and it's getting a hold of me as he broke the bread and he prayed. They felt it. Oh, I wanted to remind you that because Judas says, how is it that thou will manifest thyself unto us? I, I don't know about you. When I've read this verse before, I think of it as, okay, this whole passage is talking about the infilling of the Holy Ghost. And it is. Oh, this passage is talking about how I'm going to feel God when I pray and I tell someone, hey, why don't you come to the altar when you lift your hands and begin to talk to Him and worship Him. You're going to feel His presence. And it is. It's talking about the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. But I want you to get just a little bit deeper understanding or, or, or maybe it's only my eyes that were just a little more opened because Judas said, how is it that we will see you and they won't. How is it that, that, that you're not going to be here, but yet you'll be here? Oh, how is it that, that Russell, how is it that you're going to know he's right here? And that you can see him, 
but that Johnny over here is going to be like, what do you mean Jesus is here? Oh, sometimes I'll even be in my house there and we'll be preparing breakfast or something and I'll just be kind of talking to God and, 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 my, and then I'll, I'll speak a little bit in tongues and Liam's like, you just, what, what happened there, Dad? Why did, what, did you just spoke in tongues? Like, Dad walks around, he's just some floating spiritual thing, you know? That's not the case, okay? That's not the case. But what I was doing is I was talking to God because I can talk to him anywhere because he's right there. He's right with me. And so Liam's wondering as he's over there and he's thinking about the back of the cereal box. How did dad just launch into prayer? That's because he didn't know that I was quietly thinking about God, talking to God. He's right there. How is it, dad, that you see him when I'm just looking at the back of my cereal box? How is it that he's right with you on the job when your coworker is cussing you out? How, how is it that you see Jesus? And Jesus answered the question. And Jesus answered and said unto him, he said, and we, he goes, I want to skip this. He says, if a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. Oh, I don't know if you're quite getting it yet. Jesus was saying, hey, Judas, we're going to come. We're going to live with you. God is love. God is the very definition of love. And God is a spirit. And how can we say to Russell, how is it that you see him and I don't? It's because he's right here living with you. He's not just a part of him over here. That's why Jesus was saying, hey, you've seen me walking around here and I want you to know that you've felt something when I've been with you and you're going to feel that again and, and you're not going to see my physical form but I and my father are one he had just described that to him and he's saying hey you know me right now I'm going to be with you and the father that you said show us the father he's right here with you oh the one that said let there be lights here and, and Jesus Christ Yahweh saves the one that's going to the cross. Oh, he's right here with you. And I'm, I know I'm yelling just a little bit, a, a lot here, but you got to get an understanding. Jesus, Emmanuel, he's with you right now. Sal and Linda, it's not just while I got some spirit over here. Oh, yes, the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost. Oh, yes, he's going to bring to your remembrance. But it is the Spirit of Jesus Christ. It is all of him. And all of his love and peace is right here. God that hung on the cross is right with you, Bishop. And not just beside you, but he's in you. Oh, hallelujah. And I want you to understand right now. Oh, I told it to Brother Kennedy a couple weeks ago. Oh, Brother Kennedy, I want to repeat it to the crowd. You might not be able to see me right now, but you see Jesus. 
Jesus doesn't need your eyeballs to show him, to show himself to you. Oh, the one that's deaf that can't hear my voice, he hears Jesus. Jesus speaks into the heart and he speaks into the life in a more realistic way than any of you can speak to me today. Oh, did our hearts not burn within us? Oh, something gripped them today. Oh, that changes a little something in my mind. Oh, because when I sat down in front of the TV and I flipped that remote, oh, would I do it beside Jesus on the cross? Would I do it if I was on the road to Emmaus and I was with those gentlemen as they ate supper? Would, Would I have that thing up? Whatever it is I'm looking at. And I'm not putting down you watching sports or or any of that. But what I'm trying to tell you is if you're like, well, I think I can just watch this right now. I think I could go here. Oh, I think I can say those words about that, that friend of mine. He's with you. When you didn't know how you were going to get through your marriage, he was right with you. When you didn't know how you were going to pay the bills and you went through the wallet and you sat on the side of the road and the tears streamed down your eyes, the provider was with you. Oh, those of you who found yourself in a drug stupor, shooting up cocaine, doing whatever, LSD or whatever drugs that you had during your generation. The God that lives in you was with you at that time. And if you're hearing my voice online or this is your first time here and you're wondering about this God, I want to tell you that you're hearing today because he's with you right now and he wants to be in you. He wants to make his abode with you. That's what Jesus was, he was saying. He was reaching into the future to the book of Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost was fully come and they were all with one accord in one place and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled all the house where they were sitting. That was the Spirit saying, I want to literally not just be beside you, but I'm going to be in you. That was... That was the peace that Jesus talked about. In John chapter 14, verse 27, He said, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. I find it fascinating that whether it be the men on the road to Emmaus, or it be here, or throughout Jesus' ministry, whether it be in the storm, that He constantly was saying, Peace. Peace, peace, peace. Don't be troubled. Don't be afraid. You see, we live in a very chaotic world right now. It's full of turmoil. It's full of chaos. Oh, and, and uh, whether it be social media or it be the, the Fox News or CNN or MSNBC or, or, or Drudge Report or, or, or any international newspaper, when you open that up and you begin to go through it, They know that those headlines sell. And it brings with it a lot of turmoil and a lot of chaos. And when you open it up, you will see nothing but bad out there right now. It seems to have been that way for 
probably all my life, but the last few years, maybe I've just paid more attention. I don't know, but it seems to just be piling in. And this last year, you know, oh my goodness, I need to triple mask up. I <laughs> probably shouldn't show it up on the screen, but I was traveling this week and I found me in one of them big old hoods. It had a hose that went out of the back. So I masked up and put that on. And then I texted it out that I was double masking. It was a requirement of the plant. That wasn't true if you got that from me. That was a joke. That was a joke, not a lie. It was a joke. <laughs> but I think some people might have believed me. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's, but you go through it and I, I read the articles. And then what I read is, is I read, hey, you need, to, you need to do the shot and you need to do the mask and you got to get all this up. But that might not help you. You, you, can, you can do all that, but we got some variant that's going to get around all that. And it's, no mask will save you and no shot. And, and I'm like, you need Jesus. You need the peace that passes all understanding. You can't live life the way that the CDC tells you to live life. You're not going to be able to live life the way these politicians are out there saying this is the solution. Let me tell you today, it's not living. And if you try this to work about saving your life, you're going to lose it. Oh, you're, you're going to lose it in your head. This world is not my home. Oh, Jesus prayed the prayer. He's like they're in this world, but they're not of this world. Oh, and I prayed that they would be kept. And he said to him, he said, hey, you want me to go away. If you love me, you want me to go to the Father. Why? Because something greater gets to happen. Oh, the peace that walked with them is now in them. That word peace, I, I, I've looked it up different times, and I like to think of it as a pie. And in that pie, if you're missing a slice, you don't have peace. Because peace is being whole and complete. Everything's in place. Um, it, it's uh, when you have a family member not in the home. One of the kids is traveling or they're with some, a friend or they're at grandma's or they're someplace, right? Or, or dad's out of town or mom's out of town. And, and all of a sudden the house, everything isn't quite in order. I remember my dad telling me growing up, even I was at home, I was in my 20s, he said, hey, could you just tell me about how late you're going to be out? He's like, because you're under my roof, and as long as I know somebody's supposed to be in a bed under this roof, and I don't think they're there, I can't sleep because I don't, it's not complete. There's something missing from this picture. And, and so when everybody's not at home, the family unit doesn't quite feel complete. You get what I'm saying? It's not quite complete. You notice it when you can't pay the bills and they turn off the electric, right? Well, this, ain't, this picture's not complete. We're supposed to have heat. Oh, lose air conditioning. See if your life's complete, right? That's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, hey, there's certain things that need to be in your life, and I'm it. And I bring the peace. And so you might have all the money you need. You might have all your bills paid. You might have your AC and your heat. And all the family might be home. But if you don't have me, your pie is not complete. But you can go through chaos with the children. The bills might not seem to be paid. They, the AC can be broke. 
and you might be frustrated, but if I'm in the picture, you're going to have peace. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. If you've got me, you've got everything that you need. And when you get that understanding, and oh, you need to get that understanding that when I have Jesus, I have everything that I need. Then when you face accusations, and when somebody tells you the world's falling apart and everything's over, you can say, wait a second, I know that God's got me, so throw all the accusations you want, because I found Jesus, and He's the one standing with me through this trial. When someone says the world's falling apart, you say, I know how the book ends. I've read the back of it. When somebody comes at you with the ultimate goal that you need to do nothing else but try to preserve your life, the only way you can preserve it is right here. And when you get that understanding that you're not going to compromise the Word of God in order to save your life, but you will put God above you, oh, hallelujah, then you can face any trial. You know, there's been people... There's a particular missionary I have in mind that he saw this child killed. And you say, well, how do you go through such things and, and such turmoil and such struggle? Because he knew where the child was going to be. And he knew that God, well, I don't understand it. I know you got this. How did Peter go to be hanged up upside down? Knowing that Jesus had told him, hey, this is what's going to happen to you. How did Paul make his way to Rome knowing he was going to be killed? How did he go on these missionary journeys knowing somebody was probably going to beat him? And, and, and how did he preach the word? Why? Because he said, there's something that's worth more than my life. You know what it is? It's God. And God's love for you. Oh, when you get that understanding that God has got your life, and he holds all of it. And that if you end up, if things even go the worst, and I like to go to the extreme, right? So what's the most extreme thing if I jump, jump off here? Right? I twist my ankle. I'll be like, well, I could die. No, I can't die. That's not far enough. <laughs> and now if I'm up a little higher, I'm on the roof of my house, I was like, what happens if I fall off here? Oh, that's concrete. <laughs> yeah, that's a driveway. Then I grab a hold of something. I get a rope and I tie myself off. Why? Because I'm going through what's the worst case? The worst case that you go through when you start to run through things with Jesus Christ? When you face any other situation, as long as you're true to Him, in the worst case, the three Hebrew children in the fire, I've got God. He's got my hand. You know what the real worst case is? If you go through it and you ditch God. Then it can be the simplest of things. It can be the simplest uh, um, temptation by someone that says, hey, just come and do this with me for a moment. Just, just try that cigarette. You know, just, just go ahead, participate in this little lie. Whatever the sin might be. Or, or really, really, do you need to live the way that that church is taught and preached? Do, does it really matter? Do you need to have a prayer life? You know, do, do you need to, to, can't you just live how you want? 
When you start to compromise those things, whether in the smallest or greatest ways, that is the worst condition. And when you have thought in your mind that everything's okay, and you think, wow, this is good, this is okay, and you become deluded. When you go to the place where, where God sends a spirit of delusion, that means you've separated willfully yourself from God. And the same God that brings revelation has now brought delusion. That is the worst place you can be. But you can go through the lions, and you can go through the fire, and you can go through stoning, and you can go through, through, through the cross. You can go to the death, and if you have Jesus, you've got life. Oh, you need to make up your mind. And so, we have Judas. I like it. John, make sure you understand. Judas, not Iscariot. <laughs> we got to be certain who we got here. Judas, not Iscariot. And Judas is talking to Jesus. You know, Jesus had just told him, Verse 15, he says, if you love me, keep my commandments. I like that. It's nice, short, sweet. We memorize things by verses. So we're like, if you love God, keep his commandments. And Jesus began to talk about the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost. And he said, even the spirit of the truth in the world cannot receive, because he seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But you know him, for he dwelleth with you. Who was that? Jesus, full of grace and truth. He's saying, now he's telling them the comforter, which is the truth. And he tells them, I will not leave you comfortless, I will come to you. And, and he's talking about this. And Judas saith unto him, how is it that thou will manifest thyself to us? What is the first thing that Jesus says in response? Judas says, how will we see you and the world won't? And Jesus answered and he said, if a man love me, he will keep my words. That's powerful to me. Because you cannot say you love God and be disobedient. You cannot. You, I, I like the word love. And, I, and my children love me and I love my children. But it, it, as a parent, you understand it. When you're like, I want you to do what I told you to do. And they throw that fit. And what am I saying there? If you're going to, if we have this relationship here, I don't want you just to hug me and say, I love you, Dad. I just told you to do something. And, and what I don't want is you to beg all over and hold, wrap your arms around my neck. Oh, please, Dad, change your mind. You know, that kind of feels good, actually. <laughs> but at the end of the day, at some point, I'm like, no. I want you to do what I said because that's what relationship is about. And you can't have a relationship with God without doing it the way that He said to do it. So the immediate response is, how will we see you? Jesus says, how will you see me? And before He said, we're going to make our abode with you, He said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. You cannot have God dwelling with you daily and in you if you are going to live in disobedience. You... You cannot, no man can serve two masters. You can't say you love God, but serve mammon. You can't serve the world. You can't serve your job. You can't serve your money. You can't even serve your marriage or your children, your hobbies. No, it's either God first and everything else, or you don't have God at all. 
He's not somebody you meet on Thursday or Sunday morning or, or Wednesday evening. He's not somebody that you just meet in the morning when you wake up. But he said, hey, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And we read that verse 15 as if it's isolated, but Jesus immediately made it the response when he said, how will we see you? You know how you'll see God? Oh, I want somebody to get that right here. Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. Some of you are struggling with a problem. If you love me, keep my commandments. Some of you are struggling with somebody at your job and you're so ticked off at them and you want to tell everybody about how bad they are. And what does he say? Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall pray. Pray for those that despitefully use you. Cast all your cares upon him for he careth for you. Oh, he's got such rich promises in here. My God shall supply all my need according to his riches and glory. Ah, oh, go ahead. Get out the book. Say, okay, if you love me, keep my commandments. All right, Lord, I'm bringing you my problem. Oh, we have those that went before us. We have Hezekiah. What did he do when he got accusations brought against him in the letter? He brought it before God. What do you need to do with your situation? If you love me, come and find me in a place of prayer. If you love me, resist the devil. Hallelujah, and he will flee from you. Submit yourself, therefore, to God. Oh, if you love me, you're going to get down and say, Lord, what would you have me to do? Oh, this isn't, hey, we talk about by faith are you saved and by grace are you saved. Yes, it is believing on the Lord Jesus Christ, but it's believing to obedience. And when you love him and you want to him to be with you, you're going to follow his word. You're going to keep his commandments. You cannot have a relationship with God without obedience. Without obedience. So I don't know where you're at today. We have about five minutes left in this service. And, but I want to circle back around to the men on the road of Emmaus and to Judas saying, how will we see you? Because Jesus wanted you to understand that he literally, it's not a figurative thing. It, it wasn't some poem that you read and you try to get the understanding. It wasn't some fancy author that reflected just some other story. When Jesus said, we'll make our abode with you, he meant it. And you can't get anything greater in your life than the one who said, let there be light, that stretched out the heavens, who spoke everything into existence. When you understand that I'm standing here right now and Jesus is right here. I said earlier, God is love. When, when God fills you with his spirit and he puts all his love in you and all his peace in you, now God is everywhere in the universe, but every characteristic, every quality, every attribute, everything about God is right here. God didn't just say, well, I'm only giving you the peace side. I'm only giving you the love side, or I'm only giving you a portion of my love. What I want you to understand is that you have all of God with you. God that's at Pluto is God right here. Oh, Jesus 
in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, Jesus said, I'm going to be with you. Everything about him, he wants to reveal to you. He wants you to see him. And so if we could stand to our feet, if you will commit to obedience to Jesus Christ, if you'll commit your life to him and say, God, I want to obey you. I want to obey you. And, and some of you, your mind might run immediately to all the do's and don'ts. But go ahead and tell him, I want to obey you in my lifestyle. I'll do what you want me to do, and I won't do what you don't want me to do. I'll obey you with how I talk, and I'll obey you with how I don't talk. I'll obey you with what I look at and what I don't look at. We've all messed up, okay? We've all done wrong, and we've made wrong choices on purpose. We need to tell him today, God, I'm sorry for that. But you also need to obey him and believe in him for every promise in the book. He's your provision. He's your peace. He's the one that forgives. He's the one that heals. He's the one that's with you in the storm. And he's the one that takes away the storm. You need to go to him with your trust and with every ounce of belief in your body. And when you don't have it, say, help my unbelief. Because he's with you. And if you'll obey him and keep his commandments, it's because you love him. Oh, and he'll be with you. Can we go ahead and begin to pray to the one that's with you? Jesus, we call on you right now. Oh, manifest yourself in this place. Oh, God. Oh, Lord Jesus. Oh, cause this people to feel you, Lord, in every bone and fiber of their body. Begin to speak into their life as they repent, oh God, of things they should not have done and of failing to trust you, Lord Jesus. Oh, God, we are sorry. We're sorry, oh Lord. Oh, God, for the thing we've made it instead of making it life about you. We're sorry, oh God, for not first trusting you, but trying to do it our own way. And we're sorry, oh God, for when we've kicked your word to the side and, and not wanted to heed it, Jesus. But right now, go ahead, I want you to begin to love him and to call on him. Oh, go ahead and pray in the Spirit. Jesus loves you. He wants to make himself known to you today. Oh, go ahead and close your eyes and forget about everything else around you because you can see him today. Oh, you can see him. You can see him in your problem. You can see him in your sickness. You can see him in your marriage. You can see him in the chaos and turmoil in your family. You can see him in this world. You can see him in North America. Oh, Jesus, I see you. I hear you. He's speaking to you right now. He's speaking to you. And if you're hearing me today and this is all new for you, I want you to understand that the first step to obedience is just saying, God, I'm sorry, and I want you. I don't know anything, God, but I know I want to know you. Because for him to be with you, you first have to obey him, and your first step of obedience is saying, here I am. And he wants all your dirt and all your trash and every mess up. Why? Because there's only one thing in this world he doesn't have. He owns everything else. He doesn't own you. He can have all the gold and silver and everything, but he said he's given you a choice. 
And if you choose not to serve him, he's not going to say, oh, I'm taking you. He won't force himself. That's why when I pray for people's family members, I pray God manifest yourself to them, show yourself to them, move in their life, bring them to an encounter with you. But I'll let that person know everyone has to make a choice. And so God says, hey, I can have all the gold and silver, but will you bring me your dirt? Will you bring me your mistakes? And then if you'll come see us, we have water over there to baptize you in the name of Jesus. And as you begin to worship God, he's just going to fill you with his spirit. Hallelujah. Can we give a hand clap to the Lord? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come back in here at 1120. We're going to have great church. God bless you.